Hello, and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast that brings you the headlines of the day with the help of our correspondents around the world. I'm Tian Yu. Coming up in this edition, train services have resumed in Balasore, northern India, after a three-train collision killed nearly 300 people. Monday is World Environment Day. This year's focus is on the urgent need to reduce plastic usage and clean up plastic waste. And oil prices have jumped after Saudi Arabia announced it will cut production by another 1 million barrels per day. We begin in Asia. Train services have resumed in Balasore, northern India, after a three-train collision killed nearly 300 people. India's railway minister has recommended handing over the investigation to a federal agency. The minister says the incident was caused by an error in the electronic signaling system. Search and rescue have ended after the deadliest train crash in the country in more than two decades. Authorities are collecting the bodies of the victims and helping to deliver them to their loved ones. Ravinder Bawa has more. As soon as the unidentified bodies of the victims of the train accident pour into the hospital in Odisha, their identity is reduced to a number. One that is used in paperwork before the bodies are handed over to bereaved families. Uday Kumar's struggle to look for his younger brother in various hospitals lasted one and a half days. On Sunday morning, he was directed to the city hospital. Kumar found his brother Kundan among the many dead bodies kept in the mortuary. I have not informed my mother, but I have told my father. My mother's heart is weak. She will not be able to handle this news. Just after lockdown, we got him married, and he has left behind a small son. The help desk at the hospital is getting queries from many families whose loved ones are still missing. For Jay Kumar, the trauma to find news about his brother is far from over. We are facing difficulty in finding the details about our brother. We've looked for him everywhere. We have searched the collision site. We've went to three hospitals to look for him. Can't get any news of him. Amid the stench of rotting bodies, many wait outside the morgue for information about their missing relatives. They have to go through the trauma of identifying family members as many bodies are disfigured due to the impact of the collision. For those like Uday, who have found their loved ones, the government has made arrangements to send them home. Although it's going to be a long and painful journey, Uday is consoled that he's taking his brother with him. Lucky are those who are able to take their loved ones home to bid a final goodbye. But many bodies are mutilated beyond recognition, and for those families, these scars will be etched in their hearts and minds forever. That was Ravinda Bawa reporting. Monday is World Environment Day. This year's focus is on the urgent need to reduce plastic usage and clean up plastic waste. In China, a collective effort is underway as individuals, organizations, and the government work together within the plastics industry. Li Wingqi has more. China started working to reduce plastic pollution in the 1980s. Measures include banning plastic bags, limiting the use of plastic straws, and reducing disposable plastics. Decades of efforts have helped more people understand the importance of taking care of the environment. 
many in China are now trying to use less plastic, and they are sharing their experiences on social media platforms like Reddit. They talk about using reusable containers and share stories and personal reflections about protecting the environment. Ye Yufeng is one of those people, and her posts are very popular, getting more than twenty thousand likes. She says many people have told her that her posts have inspired them to make changes. My followers often send me messages or leave comments, expressing their willingness to carry reusable bags as a substitute for plastic bags at the supermarket. We then connect with each other, becoming friends, and sharing our experiences together. Ye has been focusing on reducing plastic use for three years, and she believes in starting with small actions and gradually influencing others. In the beginning, I brought my own bags to the market, where plastic bags were commonly used. I also switched to using stainless steel containers for carrying items like tofu, meat, and other wet goods. Over time, even my husband, who initially didn't understand my choices, began bringing his own cup instead of buying soft drinks. Yes, efforts are a larger movement towards more sustainable practices, which is also being championed by organizations like Greenstone Environmental Center. It's investigating the environmental practices of businesses in the plastic sector, focusing on more than 20 brands in Nanjing, Jiangsu Province. Secretary General Li Chunhua says their particular attention is on managing plastic bag usage within the bubble tea industry. Bubble tea has become a highly popular and fast-growing industry in China. To attract more customers, milk tea brands often go overboard with fancy packaging and free gifts. We conducted research to uncover this trend and regulate the brands accordingly. Li also says they've been promoting the use of personal cups in bubble tea shops. This initiative has been successful, with widespread support and discounts offered by bubble tea shops. However, according to Li, the catering industry still heavily relies on disposable plastics, leading to significant waste. To address the issue, the Public Environmental Research Center in Beijing has developed a map system for reporting plastic-related behaviors in daily life. It serves as a tool to provide insights into the environmental performance of businesses. Researcher Shen Sunan says the system connects individuals, organizations, and the government. We found that consumers who use plastic bags can become key observers of businesses' plastic waste. They can act as inspectors to assess the implementation of plastic reduction policies by businesses. Therefore, we also encourage them to expose improper behaviors on the map. The exposure prompts businesses to take self-management measures, while the government can enhance policies and regulatory oversight. In 2021, the Chinese government introduced an updated plan to reduce the usage of disposable plastic products in e-commerce, food delivery, accommodations, and other sectors. The plan also includes specific tasks to address and clean up plastic waste in tourist attractions and rural areas. That was Li Wenqi reporting. More on the environment and in South America. A social enterprise named Plastic Bank is helping developing countries like Brazil to reduce plastic waste while alleviating poverty. Lucrecia Franco spoke with area supervisor Anderson Farias with Plastic Bank. Two hours from Rio de Janeiro, in the coastal city of Itaguaí, 
collecting discarded plastic has become an important source of income for waste pickers. Picking up plastic is great now because I get paid a bonus for it. The more I collect, the more money I make, and it's helping me pay bills, food and medicine. This is the result of a new model of social commerce being introduced by a company called Plastic Bank, a Canadian-based social enterprise. The process is straightforward. Locals are financially incentivized to pick up plastic and take it to a recycling center, which then resells it to partners committed to sustainable development. So, the idea is to stop plastic ending up in the ocean and help those in need through a circular ecosystem that involves customers and companies that buy what we call our social plastic at a premium to be reused in new products. A key component of the business is the company's use of blockchain technology and a special app that tracks and ensures the secure and fair payment of waste collectors. Rosa Carvalho, a recycling center manager, says it's a win-for-all solution in the city. Plastic doesn't go to the sea, rivers, manholes or sewers, and the city is always clean because it is all recycled. Well, over 3,500 waste pickers in Brazil are now involved in the project, environmentalists say that one core problem remains. Recycling is still much more expensive than producing new plastic. That was Lucrecia Franco reporting in Rio de Janeiro. In Oceania, the Marshall Islands is considered one of the world's most at-risk countries to the impacts from climate change. The Pacific Island nation is already experiencing those impacts, forcing it to adapt. Greg Navarro explains. The highest point on the Marshall Islands, most populated island, is less than three meters above sea level. There are no mountains, and most of the islands are very narrow, just meters wide in some places. All of this makes the country extremely vulnerable to rising sea levels. One of the islets has already been eroded to the point where it just looks like a sandbar. So because there was constant overwash, this islet that used to have trees, pandanus coconut trees, and they used to go camping, the family you know, who lived nearby it, now it just looks like a pile of rocks and sand. And that's the future that you can see for the rest of the Marshall Islands. It's not necessarily that we would be underwater, but that the island would become unlivable. This low-lying country is also at greater risk from drought, which threatens limited fresh water supplies, and from damaging weather extremes. In 2015, heavy winds combined with a massive storm surge to push the Pacific Ocean up over the shoreline, damaging roads, damaging homes, and destroying cemeteries. And it all just flooded in into the grave and broke some of the graves. And so what, what left after that was just skeletons and bones that came out. Paul John watched the water surge through his neighborhood. I saw the rock coming there and I saw the house broke, broke, some house over there broke. The wave came and threw the rock and then the wall falling down. When people hear us say these kinds of things, they'll say, well, you can just go inland, just build your buildings inland. There's only so far inland you can go before it's already, the island is done. Kathy Jenner is a climate envoy working on the country's national adaptation plan. 
that focus on adaptation, on changing our island so that we can stay in our island, that demonstrates the severity of the issue and the fact that it's, it's getting worse. That plan includes relocating communities where possible and reclaiming land from the sea. It's a very interesting idea of, you know, even when you do not have enough space or enough land, you can still create a space to able to build infrastructures. Jedanik Kajinit says the sea level here is expected to rise by half a meter in the next 50 years, underscoring the need to adapt now before the impacts become too great to live with in the future. We're being forced to change our entire island and the thing is to for people to remember also is that Marshallese culture is very much tied to land and so when you're changing that land you're impacting that culture and that identity and so this is something that we're being forced to do that we shouldn't have to be forced to do but we're being very practical about it. That was a report about the climate's impact on the Marshall Islands and how the country is adapting. Finally, oil prices have jumped after Saudi Arabia announced it will cut production by another 1 million barrels per day. This comes as the OPEC Plus alliance of major oil-producing countries faces flagging oil prices and a looming supply glut. Johannes Plashberger has more from Vienna. After a six-hour delay, OPEC and its allies are reported to have agreed a deal whereby OPEC leader Saudi Arabia will make new voluntary cuts. If it is a real production cut, then the impact could be big. But if it's just a covert way to reallocate quotas with no immediate impact on total output levels, then the market will treat it as it is. But why cut production in the first place? It is first and foremost an admission that demand into 2023 will not be as strong as most analysts anticipated. OPEC Plus, which includes allies such as Russia, pumps around 40% of the world's crude, meaning its policy decisions can have a major impact on oil prices. However, it took quite a while for OPEC Plus energy ministers to agree on a final decision. After a delayed start, it was difficult for OPEC's most influential members to persuade underproducing African countries to establish realistic output targets. Reuters sources say this newest output cut will be added to already existing cuts of over 3 million barrels per day. That was Johannes Plashberger reporting. Before we go, here's a recap of today's top stories. Train services have resumed in Balasar, northern India, after a three-train collision killed nearly 300 people. This year's World Environment Day is focusing on the urgent need to reduce plastic usage and clean up plastic waste. And oil prices have jumped after Saudi Arabia announced it will cut production by another 1 million barrels per day. That concludes today's top story, which brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports, and culture, you can subscribe to The Beijing Hour, a one-hour news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Tian Yu. Thank you for listening.